It's time for another Q&A question. Today's question is one that so many mothers and couples ask me and they struggle with this. And it's often one where we're not talking about outside of a therapist's office or particularly with our friends. Let me first share the question with you that came in and then we'll dive into some issues surrounding the question as well as some solutions. Here is the question. My spouse and I have had virtually no sex life since I had our daughter eight months ago. Ago. So I've had no drive and would be fine with things staying the way they are. And it feels weird to say that, but I know my spouse wants to rekindle that part of our life. As a side note, I'm breastfeeding and pumping, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it. Let me pause to say this, that yes, breastfeeding, pumping, postpartum period is really important to consider in terms of our hormones. Because of the hormones that are of moving through you during this season, you are more likely to experience a lower libido. You are also more likely to have increased dryness during intercourse, which is also going to cause some more pain if you're not using proper lubrication. So I think that's important for us to put into context that yes, during the postpartum stage, yes, during breastfeeding times, you will experience a lower drive. Okay, I tell myself that I just need to do it, even if I don't feel like it, in order to up my drive in the long run, but I'm so tired at night and just want to go to sleep, and our weekends are full of baby, work, socializing. We've changed jobs, and we've also been buying a new home. Okay, so so many stressors on your back here. I think this is so important for us to recognize is that it is impossible to have sex and to feel that sense of arousal and desire when we've got a bag of bricks on our back. It's often why I say to people, let's remove the pressure for intercourse during the first year after baby is born because there are so many moving parts during this year. Sleep deprivation, hormonal changes, recovering from birth or having birth trauma and difficult emotions that show up in relationships during this time. The last thing we need from either partner is the pressure to have intercourse. And instead, I recommend to couples not to take all of this off the table because I want to emphasize that physical intimacy and sexual intimacy are two important pieces when it comes to the whole picture of who you are in your relationship. But I want to emphasize that there needs to be no pressure here so that this might be a time where you're redefining what it looks like to be close and to have physical connection, physical intimacy, and non-demand pleasuring. Let me go back to the question. Okay. So she says, I love my spouse so much and I'm really happy overall, but I want to continue to foster our relationship. Any advice? Okay. I want to first say that this question usually goes unspoken. And I'm so glad that this listener sent this question in because isolating or hiding these concerns is a recipe for building shame. So many people come to my office and say, there must be something wrong with me. I don't talk to others. Other people are having all of this sex and we are not. And on top of it, maybe my partner also has expectations that we should be having more intercourse and sex and orgasms and we're not. So I think it's really important that we label this out loud and that we don't have, we need to understand that you don't need to feel alone in this struggle because I know other people do. So let's remove the shame and embarrassment. And I want to emphasize that this question I commonly get from people is how much sex is the right amount of sex to be having? And that question is really what's going to work best for you and your partner. And are we really looking at the frequency and the number of times that we're having sex? 
Or are we looking about the quality of sex? So some people will say that they have sex once every six months and they have the best sex of their lives. Other people will say they're having sex multiple times of the week and they're not enjoying it. So the question is, are we going for quantity or are we going for quality? Here are some of the common reasons why people don't bring up this conversation. One, they make a lot of assumptions around other couples. We get stuck in comparisons. We are really good at doing that. We go in internal into our struggles, and then we create these ideals that other people are experiencing. And if someone is saying that they're having great sex, we think, oh gosh, you know, they must be doing it all the time. So getting stuck in these comparisons and making assumptions about other people can really trip us up when it comes to tackling this conversation. My advice is to avoid comparing yourself to other people. What works for some couples isn't going to work for you. The other struggle when it comes to this conversation is that for many people, we were never given the healthy language to actually talk about sex in a way that is productive and helpful for both of us. And by not being able to sit down and have these open conversations with our partners, it's going to be really hard to move forward, right? Sex involves both people. It's not something that just magically happens, which leads me into the next point, which is that oftentimes we think that sex should just naturally unfold between two people. And while that spontaneity might have existed for you and your partner in the early days of your relationship... Now it takes you and your partner talking about what are your turn-ons? What are your turn-offs? When do you want to be initiated? When What feels good for me when you initiate with me? There are all of these important conversations that couples need to be having, and they're often just not having them. We also get stuck in this belief that there is just no solution. We start to get entrenched in negative communication cycles. So if you notice that you and your partner are getting stuck in the same fight over and over again, be sure to take my quiz. You can also check out Be Connected. I, this is the space where I teach mothers and couples how to improve their communication and their connection. Because what often happens in our relationship is one partner says, we never have sex. You never want to have sex with me. And this is the entry point into the negative communication patterns that keep couples stuck. I often say to people that having this conversation around sex isn't just about orgasms and intercourse, but it's also about how we connect, how emotionally close we feel, and that it's almost like sex is the band-aid that we need to take off the band-aid and work on the wounds that are underneath that. More people, this is interesting, more people are willing to show up in my office and say we're having difficulties with sex than they are compared to saying we don't feel emotionally connected and we need to work on this. Okay, so I want you to know that if you are in this stage, there is nothing wrong with you. I have a caveat to that. So whenever people are struggling with their desire, I do recommend that you go and see your primary care physician and do some blood work. Get a workup done and check your thyroid level, see where you're at, because we know that our physical is connected to our mental states and we want to make sure that you are in the best place. If you have an underactive thyroid and you have low energy, it's going to be incredibly hard for you to then turn to desire and arousal with your partner. So it never hurts to go and check that out. Okay. And then the other thing that people tend to do is we stand by, we wait, and we say that things are just going to get better. And you know, if we don't get intentional about things, what can be really hard is that time passes by and then greater distance grows between you and your partner. 
And I think this person, this listener is specifically saying, what should I do? I don't want to just stand by. And how can we then make this work together? Now, if you are looking for more, I want you to download my free guide. I have five exercises in that guide to help you build connection through intimacy in a way that's going to feel good for you. These are not about adding long exercises into your day-to-day routine. I create all of these guides with the busy parent in mind who is wanting to build more connection and closeness with their partner. All right, let's talk about three things that you can start doing in your relationship today to address your sexual intimacy. Number one, I think it's so important for you to understand that we don't want to just sit in this, I will just do it anyways. If you are betraying your body when your body is saying no, it is not going to feel good in the long run. In fact, people end up in my office saying, I have been saying yes for years, and now I'm experiencing intense pain during intercourse, and now I don't want it, and my body is saying no. I think this is really important that in your relationship, you understand that sometimes it is no. And I know that this is really hard for some partners because they say, I feel loved. I feel important through sexual intimacy. And when this person shows up in my office, what I do say is, this is one way where we feel close and connected with others. And now because your partner is not able to, and this is a season in your life, we also need to prioritize the other ways that you get your buckets filled up. How else do you feel love and belonging? How else do you feel secure and close? And can you start prioritizing those as well? I wanted to address that piece because I think that's really important in this conversation. And particularly when it comes to postpartum, when you are breastfeeding, this is not about removing anybody's needs. This is about coming together in some way that's going to work for both of you. And so if one partner is saying, I need to have sex, we must have sex, we need to do it twice a week. And the other partner is saying, I can't do any of that. We've got to find a way of what works. I think the other piece around this conversation is that for many partners, underneath what sex symbolizes for them is this need to know that they are still wanted and that they are still desired. Anyone can go and have an orgasm by themselves. I know. It's not the same. Okay? I know that orgasms are rated as stronger when you are with a partner, but physiologically, they're actually stronger when you're by yourself. Interesting, right? But if orgasms are so important and you need that release, you can go and take care of that yourself. The pressure on your partner doesn't need to be there. And during this time, I want you to start also seeing your partner for the other things that they need doesn't mean we're taking sex off the table. So it's so important that if your body is saying no right now, you listen to your body and you understand that sometimes we are in a space of no. Let me go back to what I was trying to say there. So what's important is that if you are saying no to your partner, it's important for you to offer reassurance to your partner. What does that sound like? It sounds like love. You know, we had amazing sex before. I can't wait to get back to that place before that we were before and moving forward right now. I'm not there yet. And how can we then find a way of physically connecting that's going to feel good and okay for me? And also remember that in order to do this, we need to make sure we're not overwhelmed and overstimulated. If you are an overstimulated mom, this is not going to work. 
And sometimes what this means is that you then also need to make sure that during the day you're having moments for you, small moments of connection, that you are nurturing your identity, which is so important to offload overstimulation as well, that you're nurturing that part of you so that you can come back into the relationship and have renewed energy. If you haven't yet, be sure to check out one of my recent podcast episodes, which is on how do we move out of the roommates and back into rekindling our connection. I've got several tips in there and I talk about nurturing your identity when it comes to feeling that spark again. The piece here that I want you to know around bringing us together, bringing our bodies together, is that I don't want you to say yes because I should, but rather what we know is that there are two pathways to desire. One pathway is spontaneous desire. Spontaneous desire is often what is there in the early stages of our relationship. This is the, my partner's coming to pick me up. I am so excited. I'm ready to go. And oftentimes that fades throughout a relationship. And now, so some people will experience more spontaneous desire where other people, and later on in our relationship, we will experience responsive desire. Responsive desire means we get into bed and we put our two bodies beside each other, two naked bodies beside each other. And I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to, you know, not think about that laundry basket in the other room or what if baby wakes up and I'm going to focus on what does it feel like to have another body against mine? doesn't mean we have to touch genitals. It means our bodies are together and to give yourself time to be in that moment, to be present and in your body, because then in your body, it will start to respond to another body being pressed against you. As long as you're not stuck up in here and all of the thoughts and narratives that are happening, that's responsive desire. So for you, I don't want you to just go and say yes, because I should. Instead, I'm wondering, could you go and find the spaces where we put our bodies together and see what happens, but then we might be tapping into that responsive desire. Now, I think this is also going to lead into my next two pieces. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. 
For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom and instead my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Okay. Number two, I usually get pushback on this one. Schedule sex. Okay. There's two pieces to this one. Schedule sex and also don't leave sex for the last thing you do on your to-do list. How many of you save sex until the dishes are done, the kids are in bed, the toys are arranged, and you are, you know, you've got, you washed your face, you get to bed, you're like, okay, I just need to be ready. I just need to be ready. Listen, nobody wants to do anything at the end of the night because you have given all of your energy to everything else. So one of the best things you can do is to prioritize sex in a different way. Okay. So what does that mean? When I talk about scheduling sex, I'm not saying that you need to do the First we do A and then we do B and then we jump to C and then we spend maybe two minutes doing a bit of D and then here's the big show. Okay. So that's boring. We don't want it to be boring, but when we can say to each other, okay, we're going to prioritize and set an intention to have sex. And in those moments, you can then decide what am I going to do in order to show up intentionally in this way? So for example, if you decide Wednesday night, Wednesday night, maybe the little one goes to bed a little bit earlier five minutes earlier. Maybe in the morning when you have a shower, you call to mind one of your favorite images of you and your partner having great sex before. Um, Maybe you do whatever body prep you need to, to feel like you can be in that space with your partner. So when you schedule it, it means you are setting an intention and that you are prioritizing this part in your relationship, just like you were if you were going to have a difficult conversation. Because here's the hard truth in our lives. And that is that everything else will feel more important in the moment if we allow it to be. Now, I think the other thing is that we can almost have sex hang over us as if it's a chore. And particularly if it's not sex that is enjoyable for you. When I say sex, I mean intercourse or outer course. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, am I getting pleasure out of this? Do I enjoy it? And we don't want it to be hanging over our heads that is laced with fear or guilt or confusion. And so sometimes what can be really important is to get really clear on what it means for you to have sex and to be intimate with your partner. So then then you can bring that into the intentional time you're going to have together. 
All right. So now it's time to get intentional, which means find a night together where you put baby to bed earlier. Maybe you order in, maybe you leave the dishes. But the key thing here is that you are prioritizing you and your partner connecting. And sometimes what can also feel good is to take off the pressure of intercourse or orgasms. And again, just putting your bodies side by side so that it doesn't have to be something that is so pressured, performative, or outcome-based. This is the challenge that couples get into is we tell ourselves that we have to reach an outcome and we lose pleasurable touch, touching just for the sake of touching. So I want you to remember this that if you can put your bodies together and just see how this feels, this can be a great way for you to start looking after your desire and intimacy with your partner. Many parents will talk about having nap time sex as another great option. So this might be saving this for the weekend, or maybe there's a lunchtime moment, or maybe it's during the day. And maybe, you know, I had this conversation with Heidi Murkoff on her What to Expect conversation, on her What to Expect podcast. And she said that her and her husband would tell the kids, they'd put them in front of the TV and they would tell the kids that they are doing laundry and you prioritize your laundry so that you and your partner can have this time together. Now, for many couples, this third piece is often something that we haven't talked about because for many people, sex came quite easy and naturally, and it wasn't something that you had to talk about. But now maybe there are some more fears and insecurities that are showing up. Maybe you are learning how it, how it feels in your new body and how, what it means to feel sexy. You might also be discovering what it means to go and stop during intercourse if you are experiencing pain. And I want to just make a note here about pain. If you are experiencing pain during intercourse, I want you to check out a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Intercourse is supposed to be pleasurable, and sometimes an external examination alongside some exercises can really help address that pain. There are lots of other challenges that show up for parents, like feeling touched out. I already mentioned being overstimulated. You might also have new boundaries around what parts of your body feel good to be touched and what doesn't. So we need to be able to have this conversation with our partners to, to reconstruct the map of what it means to be intimate together. I think this conversation can be quite layered and it doesn't just happen overnight. So we might have a talking about talking conversation and that conversation might say to your partner, I'm mindful, I'm aware, I've been thinking that we haven't had sex yet and we're at X month postpartum and it's been on my mind and I'm wondering if maybe we could set our minds to have this conversation on Sunday when our little one's having a nap, right? So your first step is talking about talking. Your second step then is having that conversation with your partner around what are your needs during this time? What is it that feels good for you and what doesn't feel good for you? In my guide, I also have a exercise to help you and your partner identify what turns you on and what turns you off. These are incredibly important things now that there are lots of other factors that are going on for you day to day. Now, in this conversation, I think it's also important to talk about different ways that you and your partner might feel intimate together. Intimacy isn't just about intercourse. Sexual intimacy is one form of feeling close with our partners, but you might also talk about some of the other forms. They include emotional intimacy, like sharing your vulnerabilities and your feelings and needs. They also exper um, include experiential intimacy. I remember in the early days of the pandemic, my partner and I painted 
our entire first floor. And we felt so close and connected doing an activity together. Some people decide to make meals together. They learn new games together. They go on adventures. All of those things are part of you building your intimacy. And all of those drops are into your connection bucket. Okay, where do we get started? You have just joined me here. I know that by you clicking play, this is an important topic in your relationship. So I have a few questions for you to move forward with your partner that you can ask these today. First, ask your partner, how do you feel about the level of closeness in our relationship right now? If you're willing to ask the question, you also have to be willing to listen to what your partner has to say. I want you to get really curious and to try to understand what their experience is. Drop the defenses. This doesn't mean you're a bad partner, but take turns going back and forth. Ask them if they could, what would they like to bring into the relationship to help each other feel close? Is there something that you could be doing more of Or is there something different that would help your partner feel closer with you? Again, take turns asking each other that question. All right, this last question then is, what are the small things we can start doing to bring this back into our relationship? Understanding, curiosity, and compassion are all important pieces in this conversation. But ultimately, what we need to remember is that without action and moving towards what's meaningful to us, then nothing is going to change. And sometimes it just takes a little bit more intentionality to get to that place. All right. If you haven't already, the link in the show notes is there to access my guide. There are five free exercises there for you, for you and your partner. You can print it out. These are not long exercises, but they are shown to help people feel closer and start opening the conversation around sex and intimacy. All right. As always, thank you for being here. Please send me your questions. Let me know what you think of this episode. I really need you to help other people find this podcast because this is how we build community. And this is also how we start normalizing this conversation around sex after children. I want you to know that people overestimate the amount of sex that other people are having. I think that is so important. Okay. Thank you again for joining me. I can't wait to see you next week. By see, I mean, hang out with you on the podcast here. If you're on Instagram, send me a DM. Let me know what you think of today's episode. Click the stars, leave me a review. I read all of them and I am wishing you a connected rest of the week. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only. It does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.